one of the um, arguments Paul is making about Adam, I don't know if you think much about Adam and Eve. He comes up every so often in conversation. Uh, our first parent, Adam, we like to trace our ancestry back to a common relative, perhaps. We might have relatives in common, many of us, uh, or certainly the first people who settled in an area or something like that. And yet, ultimately, all humans are traced back to Adam and Eve, our first parents. Whether you see Adam and Eve as sort of mythical creatures, um, sort of first humanoids that have some sense of awakening consciousness as their brains developed and grew, or you see them as two people that God created in a garden. There are two different creation accounts in Genesis in the first three chapters. Um, This has been recognized for thousands of years. People have known this. It's pretty obvious when you read it. Um, One is an account of the creation of a man and a woman, and the other creation account is the creation of Adam. He is alone. Uh, He is there by himself in the garden, and he's naming animals. If you have uh, been around a little kid that's grown up from a baby when they can't talk, the first words that most children speak are mama or papa or something like that. But this, the, next, the next words are usually animals. Uh, they name animals. They point to the birdie and birdie. They say puppy. Um, it's amazing how children all around the world share this same knowledge of animal speech. In fact, they, one study I read had uh, children were studied from Russia, uh, Nigeria, the USA, and a couple other places. And they all knew the same exact number of animals for the most part. Cat, dog, and then like three dinosaurs was the other one. Because <laughs> they're even though they don't see them in everyday life, they're impressive and kids know them. And so Adam names these animals and he notices that, that there are males and females of all these animals that he's naming. And he doesn't see one that is com- that looks like him. Um, he notices all the animals have this this sort of um, uh, relationship, except for him. And so a deep sleep falls upon Adam, and God does surgery, and out of his rib is created the material for woman. The uh, Adam's creation, of course, is from the dust of the ground. God fashions out of the dirt, the mud man, the dirt man. That is what uh, Adam means in Hebrew, is dirt, man, dirt. Um, and so out of this dirt man is fashioned this woman, this this counterpart, this female counterpart to him. And this is, um, and they fall in love. I mean, it says, he says, he writes her a poem the first time he meets her. <laughs> this is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. Um, she shall be called woman for she was taken out of man. So there's the, all this mythology of our creation, our origin story as humans, goes back to these two people, but specifically to Adam in the story, he is the first one created. It doesn't mean he's better than Eve in any way or anything like that. It just means he was the first one created. And so he, uh, he then is told by God before the creation of Eve not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. These trees put in the garden uh, are magic trees. One of them, there's two of them. One is the tree of life 
if you eat it, you will live forever, if you eat from it. And the other one is a tree of knowledge of good of evil, of good and evil. Um, it's hard to know what these trees really mean for Adam or how he understands them. But we know that Adam and Eve, as she is then created, um, have a different relationship to these trees than even we can. We who have eaten of the tree ourselves, we know good and evil. Um, this, this happens to us as children. Do you remember the first time you realized that your parents were kind of evil? <laughs> they weren't perfect. They weren't, um, you know, God necessarily. They had flaws. Um, sometimes we're in our 20s or 30s before we realize this, but often quite earlier, um, where suddenly you're aware that the world is not perfect. It is not all ponies and roses. In fact, the world has something in it that is unexplainable, this thing called evil. And so as Adam and Eve, they don't have this knowledge. This is a knowledge only God has. And so the snake comes into the garden. He speaks to them. They don't seem very surprised talking to the snake, perhaps an indication that they were talking to all the animals up until that time. Hard to say. And the snake uh, tricks Eve. He only talks to Eve. Adam's standing right there. It doesn't say he's not there. It's just he's standing right there when she hands him the apple. And this conversation of the snake is, is that God is keeping something from you. God is keeping something that you need, this curiosity from you. And so uh, the serpent convinces Eve to eat the fruit, and she eats of it. She gives it to her husband, and Adam eats the fruit too. And suddenly they have broken this law, the only law they had. There was only one law, and that was don't eat of this one tree. You can see a lot that's happening in human curiosity. We are curious creatures. Uh, if you ha see a mountain, you know that some human scrambled up it at one point to try to figure out what was at the top of it. We have gone to outer space. We are people that like to go, go places and do things. And the argument Paul is making is that even before there was any law, there was sin. Because the primal story of our origin is one of our curiosity, our interest, our craving for knowledge, but also the implications of that knowledge does harm to us. Human beings were not, they were created to live forever, the tree of life. Death suddenly comes into the story that, that this, this force that, that separates us from one another uh, for forever, it feels like, uh, is suddenly introduced that, that we die. And Adam and Eve die in this moment. They are forbidden then to eat from the tree of life, to live forever. That comes later in the story. And so in this sin, which didn't seem like a very bad sin, Adam and Eve didn't murder anybody. They didn't steal anybody's tax return. They didn't, you know, do the kind of things that we consider sinful today. They did what, what they had was, was a free choice. They, in fact, maybe had a freer choice than any other human to ever live after them. And yet in this, in this sin, in this fall, this, the implications of it go to every human being. Now, you can see that perhaps passed down biologically. Some have speculated on that. Others just that are the nature of our humanity is this curiosity that gets us in trouble. Curiosity didn't just kill the cat. Um, it killed lots of us as well. And so this, 
idea of in Adam all died, this is where it comes from. That in this origin story, the, the, the essential flaw in humanity is there. And this is what Jesus has come to fix in the Garden of Eden at, when God gives the curse to his first children, Adam and Eve. When God curses them and says, you'll, out of the, the ground, you'll till the earth and the sweat of your brow, you'll have to bring forth food from the earth. And in multiplication, your conception will be multiplied to Eve. And in pain, you'll bring forth children. Your desire will be for your husband and he shall rule over you. This disordering of all human society of hierarchy where one has power over the other all happens in this moment. But then he says this, the first gospel, the first good news, um, that in your, from your seed, from a descendant of you, Eve, uh, one of your descendants will crush the serpent's head, the serpent that tricked you in the garden, the serpent that caused you to die, that, in, that brought death into the world and death upon your children. Remember that their first child is a murderer, murders their other child. Um, this is the this is the um, the first children are murderers. The the first um, moment of human life is marked by this this awful death, and so in this judgment is also the blessing of the gospel that a descendant of yours will crush the serpent's head, and here is Jesus arriving on the scene many a long time later. He is the one that crushes the serpent serpent's head, and the way he does it. The way he does it is by dying. The way he does it is by this crucifixion. The way he does it is by offering his life as a sacrifice for all. As in Adam all died, so in Christ shall all be made alive. Paul repeats this over and over again, that just as sin entered in through one person, Adam, and Adam was ultimately the one responsible. He was the one that had heard from God, not Eve. All that Eve had learned about the tree came from him. And so as he is the one who is the most guilty of that sin, he stands as a representative for all of us. And so Christ then comes in and stands as a representative for all of us, bears the wrath and judgment of God for us. And all the condemnation and all the judgment, all the the breaking of laws that has happened in the past and in the future is absorbed into his death, absorbed into, into his life as it flows out from the cross. And this is what is essential about Christianity. Christianity is centered in this moment of redemption, the, just as all of humanity is centered in the moment of the betrayal in the Garden of Eden. All of humanity, that's our origin story for all of us. And the new origin story is this perfect person who comes and gives love to the world, dies for us. That is our new origin story. How much does God love us? God loves us this much, that God would send his only begotten son for you and for me. This is what Paul is saying again and again and again. And yet our shame and our guilt and our fear keep us from fully realizing it. Because we ultimately, deep down, the, the snake is talking to us too, saying, you don't deserve it. You're not worthy of this kind of love. And those messages of shame are deep in our hearts. And once again, we must remember 
that Jesus crushed the serpent's head, not just in his own time, but in all time and in all space.